The Bible makes this claim, and we saw this just in the beginning of worship today. The Bible makes this claim that God is the greatest delight that you desire. He's your greatest joy. And if you put him at the center of your life, you have joy. It's there and it's constant because he is there right there in the center. Here's some, let me just give you some signs that you're putting yourself in the center. Are you defensive? I'm defensive. Are you constantly feeling like a failure? Do you feel like your time is more valuable than other people's time? Are you constantly feeling like people are taking advantage of you? Like, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. Do you often get concerned about the way you look or about how others perceive you? Now listen, Jesus has come to do something about us putting ourselves at the center of our lives. It's not good for us. Here's what he does. This is our second, the cleansing of the center of your life. And here's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to run you out. I think that was an amen by that little baby. He has come to run you out. When it says zeal for my house has consumed me, he's not talking about a building. He's talking about people. In the New Testament, the people are called the temple of God. In fact, you are called, the person is called, your body is called a temple because the spirit of God is dwelling in you. He's zealous for you. What is he zealous for you about? What is he? He's just simply zealous for you. He prizes you. You are a treasure to him. And what he wants is to be in the center of your life. And that's not selfish because it's the best thing for you. He knows that the best thing that you need is for him to be in the center of your life. He already has everything he needs. He doesn't need to be in the center of your life. He wants to be there because it's the best thing for you. So he starts clearing out what's at the center of your life. I want you to look at how absolutely confusing Jesus is. He's the guy that says, love your enemies. He's the guy that says, be the good Samaritan. He's the absolute definition of patience and mercy. And here we see him coming into the temple absolutely wrathful. We saw earlier that he was like the lion, or like the lamb. He was the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We saw this a couple weeks ago. But here, we see him coming in like a lion, coming into his den, and things aren't looking good, and he's moving things around. And this unique combination, listen to this, this unique combination of who Jesus is, these two kind of opposite things, that's what makes him perfect. He's the definition of goodness. In the Chronicles of Narnia, Jesus is depicted as Aslan the lion. And someone asks about him, is he safe? And the answer is that they give, no. He's not safe, but he's good. If he's only the lamb... He's never going to change you. And if he's just the lion, he's going to eat you. But what we see here is that he's the unique 
combination of the two. He's both. He's gentle to you, but then in his lion-like nature, he comes and clears things out of this at the center of your life that shouldn't be there. He is being Lord. C.S. Lewis describes this beautifully. So listen to this. C.S. Lewis says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor here, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace, and he intends to come and live in it himself. I hope you heard that. If he isn't at the center, it's saying you're never going to be a palace. And when he's at the center, he begins changing things around, and he begins changing things inside of you. See, things are happening in your life right now that you think are bad, but they're actually the best thing for you. God is taking things out of your life, and it's hurting. And you think your life is being destroyed, but actually you're being built up into a palace. He's making things difficult for you. So you got to understand this. He's making things difficult for you. So you'll finally say, I don't want to be in the center anymore. I want you to be there. This isn't working. He's taking away unhealthy relationships. He's taking away unhealthy jobs. He's taking away unhealthy whatever. Because he's making you into something new. And he's showing you that you aren't in control. He's showing you that you can't handle this. There's a saying that goes like this. God won't give you more than you can handle. And that's stupid. Because of, that's the whole premise of Christianity is that you can't handle this. You need a rescuer. You need someone to come in and sweep you off your feet because you can't handle this on your own. You can handle it with him, but not on your own. He's putting things in your life to force you out of the center. Christianity is not a religion that says, come on, you can do it. Christianity is a religion that says you can't do it. Christianity isn't saying, it's not cheering you on like, come on, you got this. It says, get yourself out of the center. Put him there. Then he starts reorienting your life. And then you find that you're doing things that you never thought you could do. Because he's at the center. And once he's at the center, he begins changing you. He begins growing you. Uh, When you are working out, when you're lifting weights, when you do that, what's happening is you lift the weight, and it tears your muscle. It tears something. And then when it heals, it grows back bigger and stronger. Obviously, I've been lifting a lot of weights in my life. You can see that. So... um, but here's what's happening. He's, he's tearing things out of your life, and he's causing you to grow by doing it. There are things in your life that are hurting you, but he uses them for your growth. 
He's called the Messiah. Do you know what that means? That's what the Messiah does. The Messiah is here to make all things right. So he's coming to make things right for you. He's changing things up. He's, listen, he's making you into someone who no longer lives for yourself but lives for others. He's stripping you from your pride. He's taking away this self-loathing thing that you keep doing where you hate yourself, and he's pulling that away from you. He's making you into a palace, into a temple. So I want, I want you to hear this. When Mother Teresa was passing through a crowd in Detroit, it said that a woman remarked about her. It says this, her secret is that she is free to be nothing. Therefore, God can use her for anything. God is at her center and she has become one of the greatest servants in modern history, and she has changed the world because she has put God at her center. The problem is that in order for us to be changed, he's got to be there at the center. And the reality is we don't want him there. We want to fight him on it. We like being there in the center because we feel like then we can be in control. The trick is, you have to be shocked out of being the center of your life. There has to be something that absolutely shocks you out of this, out of selfishness. You have to see, here's what you got to see, a sacrifice that is so shocking and selfless that you are moved to completely rearrange and reorient your entire life and what is at the center. This, this is the sacrifice that's at the center of your life. This is point number three. They say to Jesus, you know, they're saying what you're saying right now. What authority do you have to come in and rearrange the temple? What authority do you have to rearrange my life? And he says, oh, you don't understand at all. I'm not just the new and greater temple. He's saying, I'm God come in the flesh, and I am made to be right there in the center of your life because it's the best thing for you. And the problem with, with God in a way for us is that we don't really discover him until he's right there in the center of our life. We can't discover him until he is in our center. We try to look at him from a distance to see if it's safe to go to him. But that's not how it works. We put him in the center, and then we really know him. I think there's a lot of reasons why people reject Jesus. But I think the primary reason is because he's saying, I want the center of your life. I want to be there. And it just sounds better for us to be there. But once he's finally there, we say, oh, this is way better. So the only way to be shocked out of having ourselves at the center is to see what he says here. They say, what sign do you give that we should put you at the center of, of our lives? And he says, this is what, this is what I'll show you. Des destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. He's talking about his body. And I, 
this is, this is at the center of what Christianity is. I hope that you're seeing this. Here's what he's saying. I am God, and I'm about to be treated like an animal sacrifice. That's what's being said right here. I'm God. I'm about to be treated as this animal sacrifice, but it's the way that it has to be. So, so listen to this. Jesus is sold by Judas into the hands of the temple leaders for him to be sacrificed like an animal. And you got to see that this is the only way that it could be. This is the plan before the foundation of time. We have removed God from the center, and the only way to get him back is for him to be that animal sacrifice. The Passover lamb, the whole premise behind it is that death has now passed over us. Death is now passed over us, and that's what Jesus came to do, to be the greater Passover lamb. See, if he's, listen to this, listen, listen, listen. If he is only the lion, and he comes into the temple, and he sees us there in the center, he's going to see that, and he's going to absolutely tear us to pieces, because this is cosmic treason. This is tyranny. We are, in the, we are putting ourselves in the center of everything, and he belongs there if he takes up the lion. But what we find him do is he lays down the lion and he picks up the lamb and he becomes what we made him to be. He comes into the center not as the lion, not as the king, but he comes in as the lamb to be slaughtered for you. His response to our selfishness isn't to destroy us. His response to our selfishness is not to destroy us, but to destroy the selfishness in us by the greatest act of selflessness the world has ever seen or ever will see. When the greatest thing, the creator greater than anything, becomes the lowest of all things, that's a picture of selflessness, and that's what shocks us out of our own selfishness. The one who deserved to be at the center was the king. But we brought him there, not as the king, but as an animal to be sacrificed. I have so much love for you guys, and I pray for you guys every single day, and I really want you to understand what I'm about to tell you. God himself has died for you. God has died for you. The headlines read that God has died it's not simply, though, that God has died, but God has died for you. That's on the front page, and the picture is a picture of you. I want you to just visualize that for a minute. God has died for you, and then guess what happens? 
Three days later, the headlines, he is risen. But it's a picture of you again. He did it for you. See, in his selflessness, he's put you in the center. And by doing that, now, for the rest of your life, the headlines are no longer a picture of you, but they're a picture of him. But you needed to see that he would put you in the center. And once you see it, now you want him in the center. And the headlines for the rest of your life, the newspaper always is a picture of God. Your life celebrating God. He submits to becoming the lamb for you in your place. And he's swallowed up by death, swallowed up by selfishness, and swallowed up by Satan. But in death, he picks back up the line again. And he bites through the grave. And he bites through Satan. And he bites through selfishness so that he makes you selfless. Be shocked into faith and be changed by his growl. And you will find what it's like to have him at the center of your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have come for us, that you have fought for us, that you have taken up the lion to run everything out of the center of our lives that shouldn't be there. We praise you for that, God. Teach us to believe that this is true. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I told you today is a special day where we're going to receive communion together. Now, here's what communion is. Communion, listen to this, is a declaration that you want Christ at the center of your life. And this is an acting out that you have been swept up into this story where God has come into the world and was broken like the Passover lamb. And his blood was shed like the Passover lamb. And your declaration now in taking part in this is to say, that's true for me. God has just died for me. And that absolutely changes everything. That's what we're celebrating here. A participation in this. So what we're going to do is there's juice and there's wine. Um, don't mix them up. The juice says juice. The wine, I don't think, says anything there. Um, this is, take the bread, dip it into the cup. Don't take the cup and drink all of it, okay? It's early. Just take the bread, dip it, and then eat, okay? So I'm going to pray for this, and then we're about to partake. Father, we pray that you would make all of this real to us, that we would see the divine drama, the divine story being acted out before us, Sweep us up into it. Let us hold close to what you have done for us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.